0: life with uh, the least amount of baggage possible I don't know if you know this but uh, we live in a society that often as we travel through life we we, co- we like to collect stuff we like to we like to gather things and and when we don't gather and collect the right things we can feel weighed down we can feel as if literally the weight of the world is on our shoulders and God never intended us to live life that way Jesus time and time again talks about how My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He talks about rest. He says, come all who are weary uh, to me and you will find rest. And so uh, we've been hitting, uh, we're going to be hitting some various topics on things that can weigh us down in life. Last week we talked about stuff. We talked about how if we make our life all about what we own, what we possess, what we have, what we work toward, we will eventually be weighed down. Uh, And so... I really just want to challenge you guys to uh, to maybe look at maybe look at some stuff that you have, and 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 rather than trying to hold on to it, uh, give it away and not let it uh, have a, a hold on your life. Today we're going to be talking about something uh, a little bit different. We're going to be talking about distractions. Distractions in life. Bless you, by the way. Uh, I don't know about you, but but I I have a I have a thing, I guess. Uh, where, where I uh, often get very distracted. I, I have what's known as ADD. And uh, it's, it has awesome characteristics and not so much. I don't know if you know this or if I've ever talked about it, uh, but, but having uh, service, preaching, is, is very difficult for me, and it's nothing against you guys. But I can hear, like, every pen click. I can hear, like, last, I don't know who did it last week, and I'm not calling anyone out. But I think I heard a soda can open up, and I was like, God bless you people. I heard that, okay? I hear, I hear people like, like if you have your phone like barely on, I can hear it. Like I hear every little thing that goes on. And so uh, if you ever notice when I get really loud, it's not that I'm angry. It's that I'm trying really hard to focus. Uh, And and if you notice, sometimes, like, you guys probably do notice, but, like, sometimes I'll be preaching, I'll be, like, looking over here. But if you know this, and I know this as well, there's no one over there. There's, like, like, who's he preaching to? What's he doing? Why is he looking over there? It's weird. Uh, I heard that, by the way. See? See? Did someone, was that on purpose? I don't need to know that. Um, Right? But it's, oh, my gosh. So, so. That's that it's very distracting. And I think sometimes, more often than we're willing to admit, our lives can become distracted. This time of the year, is, it's very distracting because we got we to make sure that, that we have all the presents that we need to give. We got to go to parties. We got to uh, make sure that we end the year well. We got work. We got this. We got that. We got that dynamic. We got this drama over here. We got all these things. And it can be very easy to lose uh, the focus that we need to give for why we are even celebrating Christmas right and the reason why we celebrate christmas is we can we can celebrate the fact that our savior came to earth to walk among us to die for us to resurrect to break us free from our sin right but in all the hustle and bustle we can become very distracted right We're trying to worry about, you know, what to get for so-and-so, what to do for, you know, should we go to that party? Should we not go to that party? Is this a sweater that's going to help me win the ugly sweater contest? I don't know what you guys do, right? Which, by the way, sidestep for a second. If you could pray for me, that would be great because I have yet to start my Christmas shopping for Angel, and I need help, okay? So if you could provide some spiritual wisdom for me, Uh, and stuff, and so that'd be great. But anyways, quick commercial. Um, But we can become very distracted, and it can play into our spiritual uh, life. See, here's the thing. Oftentimes we believe that the devil is trying to destroy us, which he is. I'm not knocking that. I'm not trying to refute that. But, But here's the thing. He's not trying to destroy us as much as he's trying to distract us. He's trying to destroy us by distracting us. He's, he's trying to be like, you know what? Don't listen to God. Don't read your Bible. You've got more important things to do. You don't need to read that ancient, old, archaic book. None of that stuff applies. You don't need to go to church. You have a huge, long to-do list that you've been ignoring for weeks. You don't need to uh, go to small groups. You have so much other things to do. He's trying to distract us away from God. There's a reason why I pray for focus during our service. It's because I would I would like to guess, all of us have things that we could very easily think about during service. We think about maybe what happened last week. We think about what's going to happen this week. We think about all the stress and all the pressures and all the worries and all the struggles and all the trials. Right? It's very easy to focus on that. And that's what the enemy wants, because if he can distract us, eventually we'll move further and further and further away from God to where he's not even a part of our lives. You can't even tell that he's a part of our lives because we're focused so much on other things, which leads us to our big idea. If you get anything out of the service, let it be this. The devil doesn't need to destroy you. If he can distract you, let's be honest. The devil doesn't care that you believe in God. He doesn't care that you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. He doesn't care that, that you have you know you have a Jesus pillow in your house and you drink from you know, a mug that says praise God. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is when you focus completely upon him and actually orientate your life based upon God's plan and God's will for you and you start to bring people with you. That's when... He gets scared. And so if we're going to be a church that accomplishes our mission, which is to uh, show people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and the, that the Holy Spirit wants to guide them, if he wants us to, to uh, be defeated in that, he's going to distract us. So uh, we, we, which we have a, a very good story that, that exemplifies this very principle. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, verse 38 through 42, I'm just going to read the whole section just because it's so short. Uh, so let's, let's jump in. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, just so we're clear, Martha, uh, and then we're eventually going to meet her sister Mary, okay, and then Lazarus, they were like eventually Jesus' best friends. Okay? We read about this in John chapter 11, right? Lazarus dies. Okay, and then Mary and Martha come out, and they're like, "My brother died. Why would you ignore him?" And then eventually, spoiler alert: uh, Jesus resurrects Lazarus. Okay, <laughs> same same group of people, but this is early on in their relationship. Okay, uh, verse 39: Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here, lazy bum, while I do all the work? We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Tell her to come and help me, verse 41. Uh, But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, in some translations it says Martha, Martha. He's trying to give her attention, trying to say that his focus is completely upon her you are worried and upset about all these details there is only one thing worthy being or worth being concerned about mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her okay so what's going on and this passage can pretty much be summed up in one point martha chose what was good mary chose what was best Okay, so, so let's, let's contemporize this a little bit. So, so Jesus and his disciples are walking. They're trying to get to somewhere. Martha sees Jesus. She knows who Jesus is because Jesus is a popular guy at this time. So she has the courage to go up to Jesus and be like, hey, you're Jesus. Come hang out with me at my house. I'll throw a big, huge dinner. We'll have fun. We'll play cards. It'll be great. Okay? So Jesus says, yes, they get to her house. Martha begins to start cooking this amazing, great meal. She's probably a really good cook. She's probably a great hostess. She likes throwing parties, uh, all that fun stuff. And and she's really excited. She's probably really nervous also because the son of God is in her house. Okay, she's probably freaking out. She's like, "What do I cook? Does he? Well, he probably he can't have ham because he's Jewish." But does he like steak? How does he like a steak cooked? Does he like potatoes, mashed, baked, fried? What does he do? Does he like bread? Does he like cornbread, gravy? I don't know. She's freaking out. She's probably making a million different things. Mary, I'm guessing, probably just strolls in, being all, you know, because she's the younger sister. So she's all, what you doing? Okay, I can help. And then she gets distracted because Jesus is there. So she goes and hangs out with Jesus, leaving Martha to do everything. How dare she? Okay, so, so this mounts up in, in Martha. She finally gets irritated enough to go to Jesus and be like, Jesus, don't you care? I'm slaving away in this hot kitchen for you. She's basically going off on Jesus. I don't know why you would do that. That's not smart. When, when people go off on God in the Old Testament, holes in the earth get created and they get swallowed up, right? I don't know why she's doing this. Okay, so she's going off on Jesus to tell Mary to get her stuff together and help her. How often do we do that? We're working hard. We're we're, we're, we're trying to do the best that we can. We're trying to, to, you know, go to church, read our Bible, worship, pray, be a small group, volunteer, all this stuff. And there's moments where, where we can be frustrated and we're like, I'm doing all this stuff. Where is God? You know, we, we, even come, we, even if, we sometimes even go as far as to say, this person's not doing nearly as much as me, and yet they have a great life. I don't see why they're doing that. I don't see how that's possible. God, don't you care? This is unfair. Get, make them get their act together so they can be just like me, work just as hard as me, and, and I'll be fine. Mary chose, or I'm sorry, Martha chose what was good, Listen, Jesus never knocks Mar- Martha for doing what she did. She's not, he's, not Mar- he's not saying, Martha, that's not what you should be doing at all. I condemn you. You're a sinner. Come lay at my feet. He doesn't do that because what Martha's doing is actually good. You know the Martha people? They're the ones that make stuff happen that you don't know about, right? Uh, Martha is the type of person where, you know, uh, she's the ultimate soccer mom. You know the soccer mom who always brings snacks to the soccer game? right she's the mom that makes sure that you have everything that you need cuz you forgot until the very last second right she's the one that, that makes sure that everything's in line everything's everything is at where it needs to be she's the one she's the logistical person she makes stuff happen that no one else thinks about okay we all need a martha in our life to make sure that things are good okay more often than not you're probably if you're not a, if you're not a, if you're not a mary you're most likely a martha And what she was doing was good. She was making this beautiful, awesome meal for her eventual savior. But the issue was that she got so wound up by distractions, by thinking if what she did was going to make her worthy for Jesus, she got so caught up in that that she completely missed the point. Mary, on the other hand, she she makes the most of the opportunity thinking, Jesus is in my house. I'm not, we're, we'll order dominoes. I don't care. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. We, we, I can put off dinner for a couple hours to hang out with the Son of God for a little bit. Right? It'll t- Food will take care of itself. Most likely I have more food in me than I, I'll be fine. Okay? We're good. I will wait out the hunger because I have Jesus in my house. And I get to learn from him. And I get to grow from him. And I get to... Uh, have this moment with him. Jesus's response, She call, he calls Martha out by prioritizing work over worship. The stuff that you do, listen, it, it might be, it's probably great, you know, reading the Bible, praying, being with fellow believers. That, we're not knocking that. But when it's out of when it's misprioritized out of worship, like, like sometimes we can fall in this line of, okay, I got to read my Bible so I can check it off on of my to-do list and then move on, and then it never impacts you the rest of your day. I don't know about you, but I've, I'm guilty of reading Scripture that talks about, you know, hey, be like this, be like Christ, and then I just quickly read it, and then I go about my day, and I fail in that area, and it's because I didn't pay attention to what I was reading. I just did it to get it done thinking it was going to appease God when really it didn't, because I just did it to get it done. I didn't do it because I wanted to actually spend time with God. I did it out of obligation. I don't know if you, that might just be me, I don't know, but, right? We should never prioritize work over worship. Our lives are meant to bring honor to God. We're not meant to just merely do uh, tasks on a checklist, there are a lot of things uh, to choose from in life, things to do, uh, how, how we can uh, invest our life into various things. But are they the best things to do? There's a lot of choices that we can make. But what's the best way to spend our life? Some areas maybe that, that we might be struggling in our uh, we fill our calendar up with events and tasks that don't energize us, right? This is the craziest time in the entire calendar because there's so many things to get done. And we can get in this mode where we're just going from thing to thing to Christmas party to this thing to that thing to work to, we've got to drop kids off at the pageant, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And, and they actually end up draining us when they're actually supposed to energize us. Or, or we talked about this last week. We buy things we don't really need to impress people we don't really care. We do that. We do that. Right? We, we, we buy a bigger house because so-and-so that we don't like or that we're trying to impress. We buy an equally bigger house. Right? Keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, they bought a truck, so I have to go buy a truck. Oh, they have this nice new little Toy gadget thing. Also, I have to have the same thing, right? It's it's this or it's this idea of of FOMO, which is fear of missing out. Right? We we have we live in this culture where 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 we feel like if we don't get invited to the party, that we're missing out on something great when really it could just be a lame party. I don't know. But, right, we have, this, we have this inclination to be like, oh, if I don't get invited to this, then I'm not a part of this group or I'm not accepted or I'm not validated or I'm not this or that, and it weighs on us and it distracts us. Or, or, or maybe we look for escapes to leave reality for a moment because we don't like our current reality we we and, and none of these are inherently wrong but but when they're misappropriated as escapes they can become an issue right I, I read a statistic this week that that you will the average person will spend 7 years scrolling their phone like that's just that's just you putting your thumb and making physical contact you're going to waste 7 years Touching your phone because you want to escape reality. Which is crazy to me. You could get a master's degree in seven years. Not that you should get a master's. I'm just putting that into perspective for a little bit, right? You You could invest in a career for seven years. Seven years. That's insane. The average person spends two hours a day on social media. And it's not because it's their job. It's just they just do it because they want to escape. Because maybe they don't like how their life is going, so they want to see how other people's lives are going. Right? Uh, We talked about this last week. 62% of people openly admit that they go shopping just to make themselves feel good. They impulsively buy something because they don't feel good, and they think that this item will make them feel good. There are a lot of good things to choose in life, but are they the best things? God desires us to experience uh, life with him. Jesus died and resurrected so that we could experience life to the fullest, to how he intended us to experience life. And it wasn't with stuff, and it wasn't with distractions. Uh, Distractions will actually limit your fullness, right? Right? If you're like, oh, God, I love you, God, I love you, this is awesome, this is awesome, ooh, sidetrack, right? It will limit your fullness because God's going that way, and you got distracted, and you're going that way. And in order to catch, well, God will come back to you, don't get me wrong. But, but in order to, to be united back with God, you have to then turn and go this way again. But then you're missing all this other stuff that you could have got with God but you were distracted. Distractions will limit your fulfillment in life. One of, one of the things that uh, millennials in particular are, are struggling with right now is, is when they hit 30, if their life didn't go how they wanted it to go, they experience what's known as a quarter-life crisis. And they're wondering, is this how life is going to be? I didn't achieve all that I wanted to achieve. I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do. I didn't get to experience all the things that I wanted to experience. And honestly, it comes down to things take a little bit longer than what we think they they do. But but also, um, they can experience things of like, well, is this how life is really going to be the rest? Is it going to be a big disappointment? A lot of people within that generation are struggling with that. And one of the issues that, that causes that is they get distracted. I remember, um, <clears throat> and I've experienced this in my own life, where I wanted to go pursue this and go pursue this and go. Well, eventually you have to choose. You can't do everything that you want to do. You have to choose. You only have a certain amount of time on this earth. And it's important to figure out what will be the greatest good. They may all be good things, but which one is the best thing to do? And, 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 let's, be, and let's be honest, this is one question that uh, one of the commentators wrote uh, that I thought was really good. What's the point of doing the work of God without him? What's the point of doing the work of God without him? What Really, Like because then it's just legalism, then it's just religious acts, Right, that you're expecting God to bless, but really he's like, That's really great, but you know, I wasn't in it, so I don't get the glory for it. God's only gonna God's only gonna bless something where he gets the glory for it. Which which then in turn allows us to experience some amazing things. But but ask yourself this. What's the point of doing the work of God without him? Because it only gives you stress, it only gives you distraction, it only gives you Unneeded worry that you shouldn't have. So, you might be asking, how do we choose what's best? How, what's, what's, what are some things that we need to do? What are some things that we need to consider? Very simple. Very, very simple. Okay? The, first, the first one is this. Know God's vision for your life. Know God's vision for your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. When people do not accept uh, divine guidance, some of your Bibles say vision, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. What, what uh, I believe King Solomon is getting at is this. When you don't have direction for your life, you kind of treat life like a buffet. Now, I'm not a fan of buffets, mainly because it's, it's an expensive price for mediocre food, and there's a lot of it, right? I would rather go to a restaurant that actually specializes in like making one dish really well than a whole bunch of C plus food that I can have as much of. And I think that's somehow, sometimes how we approach life. We want to be able to do everything that's kind of okay instead of doing one really awesome thing for God because then we get to choose. But God wants, God has a vision For your life. And a vision, I'm not trying to overly spiritualize this, I'm not trying to mystify it. A vision is simply a clear mental picture of a preferred future given to you by God and is based uh, on an accurate understanding of God, yourself, and circumstances. So, so what does that mean? Let's break this down. Okay. So, God has, has this future for you. And it's awesome, and it's wonderful. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11 says, um, The plans that I have for you are good, that they give you a hope, that they give you a future, right? He has this amazing purpose and this amazing vision for what your future looks like. And we as believers need to pursue that vision because it's based on the fact of who he is, how he cre- or, or what he created us to do, and our current life circumstances. Uh, and, and each of those are key. So God's not going to give you a vision that contradicts himself. Okay? So, so it's this idea of your future is meant to glorify God. Uh, and then when it talks about yourself, God's not going to give you a vision that you in and of yourself cannot meet because God did not design you to, to be that or to have that vision. For example, I used to want to be a worship pastor. I can't sing. Okay? But I was going to be all Chris Tomlin up in here and just, you know. But I was going to do it differently. I was going to have pyrotechnics or maybe some, like, laser lights or something. I don't know. I was 19. I didn't know what I was doing it. Okay? Um, but I wanted to be a worship pastor. I wanted to sing and play my guitar and, you know, all this stuff. And, and But here's the thing. God did not give me the ability to sing well. Okay? There's a reason why we bumped that music up a little bit louder than what it probably should. Okay? Okay? Um, that's not God's vision for my life. So why would God give me a vision that he did not design me to fulfill? Something to consider, okay? Um, God has a preferred future for you that includes knowing him, following him, and worshiping him. He will not give you a vision that doesn't accomplish all three of those. And uh, what, does, what does your future look I'm sorry. What does your future with God look like? That's something that you have to ask yourself. This requires spending time with God and allowing him to speak to you, allowing the Holy Spirit to show you or give you a glimpse of what your future can hold. Vision is a slow process. Praise God. Because I'm sure if God showed us our future or what he would like us to accomplish all in one five-minute video, we'd probably lose ourselves. Because it's amazing and so he needs to slowly show us what that is. So so don't think it's going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be a one prayer conversation thing. It's going to happen slowly. But as you remain faithful to God as you continue to pursue God, follow him, worship him, know him, he will he will show you what that is. And the goal needs to be to become more like Jesus first. It's not this idea of what am I going to do? What am I going to be? Or who am I going to be? The purpose of vision is so that you can become more like Jesus every single day. Second thing you do is this. Eliminate the distraction. Eliminate distractions. Proverbs 5.8 says this. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Now, I realize this is a little obscure. Um, but basically what King Solomon is talking about is he's giving wisdom to his son, uh, talking about don't go near prostitutes. Okay, He's saying don't do it. It's bad. You're, it's, gonna, it's, gonna end, it's not going to end well for you. He, he later in, I think, chapter 7, talks about how, how can a man hold a flame and not get burned. And, and the key to this is very simple. There's a lot of distractions in life, and not all of them are good. And we need to be able to protect ourselves from being distracted. If you have something that distracts you, that you know is not good for you, that you know is not helping your relationship with God, you need to eliminate it. Because remember, our main purpose in life is to follow and to worship and to honor God as believers. And if something is, if Satan is using something to pull us away from that, we need to eliminate it. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, for, so for all of November, I decided to just fast social media. I didn't do any social media with the exception of whatever I had to deal with the church uh, and some, and some uh, uh, research for, for my sermons and stuff. I didn't touch Facebook. I didn't touch YouTube. I didn't touch Instagram. I didn't touch Twitter. I didn't, I didn't touch anything for an entire month. And let me tell you, I had some withdrawals. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult for about the first week. But you know what? God started to show me some things about myself that I had to change, that I had to implement, that I had to do differently. Some things that were buried deep inside that I didn't know that I had, that I didn't know that I was dealing with because I was masking it. I was burying it over social media. Right? And I had to deal with God. Or I had to deal with that with God. So, so I, I, I lasted a month by the grace of God. Um. And, and, and I went extreme. I deleted all the apps. I deleted all the games. I, deleted, like, I just killed it. So my phone was an actual phone, like, with the exception of email. I had to, do, I had to keep email. So it was, like, 2002, okay, um, which, fun fact, the flip phone is coming back next year. I am super excited. I, I might seriously get one. Um, but, but I, had, I had realized I had to get rid of this for a month just to recalibrate myself. And, and I was, December 1 came, I didn't re-download, any. or I downloaded two apps. I, downlo- I, I downloaded uh, YouTube, and I downloaded uh, Instagram, the gram, because I love the gram, okay? So, but I was sitting there this morning getting ready for service, and I was like, you know what? I really don't need this. So I re- re-deleted it, and I feel fine. But it was a distraction. I had to eliminate it. I had to get rid of it. What's a distraction that you have to eliminate that will help you better uh, serve God and better fulfill the vision that he has for your life? Last point is this, and it's the opposite of the last point. Focus on what's important. Proverbs four twenty-five through 27 says this. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what, on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. See, just eliminating distractions doesn't really, like it's half the equation. You have to focus on what's important. You have to focus on what is good. And not only what is good, but what is best. It doesn't help you to just eliminate all the things that don't help you. You have to actually do the things that do help you. By the grace of God, of course. We're doing it with God. That's the whole reason uh, why we exist. We don't do things just, just so we can get the glory for it, but we do them so that God can get them. Focus on what's important. What would honor God? Like, like it doesn't make sense to eliminate all the things that, that hurt your marriage. You also need to work towards having a good marriage. You can't eliminate the things that prevent you or that keep you from being a good worker. You have to actually be a good worker. Right. If you want to if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you can't just eliminate all the things that distract you. You have to actually get in the word of God and to pray and to seek and to and to worship and to be a part of of a a growing Bible believing church. Right. You have to focus on what's important. So so what are those things? What are those things that are important? What are the things that 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 keep you in relationship with God and actually build up your relationship with God? If you do these three things, you will, the distraction will be eliminated. The devil, will be very, it will be di- very difficult for him to distract you. And you'll be keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray, and then we'll dismiss. Lord God, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to eliminate distraction. But not only eliminate distraction, I pray that we would focus on the important things, the best things, the things that glorify you. Father, we want to be a church that is firmly fixed on what you're doing. Lord, we know that you have a vision for us. We also know that you have a vision for us individually, God. And I pray that you would help us to find and to seek and to to fulfill that vision you have. Lord, we thank you for for not giving up on us. We thank you for not uh, quitting, Lord. And we thank you for the fact that you were not distracted when you came uh, and died and resurrected, Lord. There were so many things that could have deterred you, but you didn't allow these things to Lord, and I pray that you would just continue to uh, help us to stay focused on you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You guys are awesome. I'll be up here for prayer for anyone who wants prayer. Uh, but you guys have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Also,